Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years, sometimes single stories, sometimes whole episodes. Keep in mind that years ago, people might have worded things differently than they would today. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, a story that Archie Jamjun first shared on the podcast in March of 2016. Here's Archie now with a story we call The Crossroads. Hello. So, it was a hot, humid day in 2004. I was coming home from a lunch shift, and I opened the front door, and I saw it. A long white line of powder on the side table where my roommates and I kept our keys. Now, I kind of lived in a drug den at the time, so... You like, my roommate was like a hippie with a ponytail and a lot of pot, and my other roommate was Pat, an FTM that I had dated, and then we broke up, and he was really into the gay party scene. So it didn't really shock me to see a line of coke, but I'm not going to say it was normal either. We did have a house rule, though. Finders, keepers. And I thought about it. There were a bunch of dishes to do in the kitchen, and here was this line of coke. And this line of coke could make doing the dishes very fun. So I took a dollar bill out of my wallet, rolled it up, put it to my nose, and I was like, wait, no, no. Someone had told me you could get hep C from snorting things out of dollar bills. So I put that away and I grabbed a jewel receipt that I had in my pocket. And I rolled that up, put it to my nose, snorted. And I was like, oh my God, like this shit really burned. Like I had done coke like two or 20 times before and I knew it had a very metallic taste, but this was like glass shards. And I really started to worry. And then I thought about it. Pax had a friend in from Miami. 
this is obviously Miami cocaine, like the real deal. Everything I'd snorted before had just been Chicago's best baby powder. <laughs> and that was enough to make me feel better. So I went to the kitchen and I put in my Britney Spears in the zone CD and I got in the zone. I was doing the dishes and I was like, oh, like I feel very nice. And then by the time Toxic, the fourth track came out, I was like, oh my God, I feel so good. Miami cocaine is the shit. I've never felt this good. And I finished the dishes and I looked over and I saw the kitchen table. And you know what? The kitchen table could use a really good cleaning too. So I took everything off the kitchen table. I wiped down the kitchen table. I wiped everything that was on the kitchen table. There was even a jelly stain. So I took my finger and I scraped it off, put everything back. And then I looked up and saw the cabinets. I was like, let's clean the cabinets. I took everything out of the cabinets. I polished them. I cleaned the cabinets. And I put everything back in a better order. And I looked down and I saw the floor. I was like, the floor! <laughs> At this point, Britney was in her third or fourth rotation, so I took that Britney seat out, I put a new Britney Spears in, and I was mopping the floor, and Pax walks in, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm cleaning! And he's like, yeah, but why? I'm like, the Miami cocaine, Miami cocaine, I took one line, and now I can't stop cleaning. He's like, oh, um, uh, that's crystal meth. <laughs> like, holy shit. I was in my early 20s, very open to drug experimentation, but I had a few rules. One, no booty bumps. That's when you pretend your butthole is a nostril. Two, no shooting up. And three, no crack or heroin. And crystal meth is like a crack heroin hybrid that really appeals to gay men and hillbillies. Like, in the right hands, it could bring our nation together. I had seen people smoke it. I knew that people shot it up, but I didn't know that you could snort it. And I wish I was telling you a story how I accidentally snorted crystal meth and ended up with a clean kitchen, but one time is an accident. Three or four times is recreational. When you're doing it a couple times a week, you have a problem. And it was very easy for me to fall into this problem because crystal meth became part of the apartment. See, Pax's friend really wasn't from Miami as much as he was from Florida, and he really wasn't from Florida as much as he was a state penitentiary. And he moved in, and he rebuilt his crystal career, and he gave out crystal meth to Pax and I like it was breathments and we had halitosis. Like, dude didn't buy toilet paper, but he sure gave us crystal. And it was like sometimes I could say no but Crystal was the shit when we first met. Like, the apartment was never that clean. And like, you don't really have to eat on Crystal Math, so I was so skinny. I was like my own little CK model. Even my mom was like, oh my God, you're so handsome now. <laughs> but why you eye you so big? <laughs> and sex. You could have sex for hours on crystal meth. And I'm not talking two or three hours. I'm saying Friday night I'd put a dick in my mouth and the next thing I knew was Sunday morning. Like, the time just flies when you're having dick. But crystal... Crystal... It's crystal. And soon enough, it began to show me what it would take from me. Since I was snorting it so much, my nose would randomly bleed, and one morning, about six months into it, I was washing my face in the bathroom mirror, and I saw the trickle of blood came down my nose, and it just looked like the life was coming out of me. And I looked closer, and my face was all skeletal. I had zits everywhere, the black underneath my eyes, and like I didn't recognize myself. I saw like the third Olsen twin times Amy Winehouse. Like, who... The f oh, who had I become? And then came the hallucinations. 
I was at work one time and a dish called mango chicken walked by and like the aroma convinced me that there were chickens in the restaurant that wanted to attack me with mangoes. And I looked around the room and I saw chickens underneath the table like kicking mangoes at their feet. And they were very angry at me. And I was like, I'm crazy. And I need to get the fuck out of here. But that is what I would call like a fonder memory of Crystal. At one point, like Florida got enough money to move out, but Pax and I were so like in the circle that another dealer moved in. And it was like two or three in the morning and I was very fucked up on GHB and alcohol and we were waiting for more crystal to come in and I realized I was gonna pass out soon. So I grabbed some cash I had in my pocket from serving and I like, was like, just get as much as you can. And then I started snoring. And then when I woke up, like my pants were undone and they were like pushed down. And I was like, did I like get up and pee? But then why did I come back here? I would have gone to my room. And I'm like, did he or someone, the random people in the apartment like pull my pants down and like pretend I was a frat boy or something? And like, I have been in rapey situations before. I have been drugged, I have been cornered, I have had choices taken away from me. And I'm starting to get that sinking feeling, but like, it doesn't hurt. But if I'm being honest, like, power bottom is a gross underestimate of what I am at this point. Like, I could probably shit standing up. So, I mean, I'm not gonna feel pain back there necessarily, but then I see something that pisses me off. My money is still on the counter. And that means there's no crystal in the house. So I'm pissed and I walk out in the living room like a drug depraved diva and I, there's a bunch of people I'm like pointing at the drug table. I'm like, you have one job and that's to have drugs and you can't even do that. In less than a year, I have gone from In The Zone Britney to Amy Olsen Winehouse. And now I am like a mad and depraved Courtney love. Like what happened? And I look around and all like the crackheads are looking at me like I'm crazy and like have you ever had a crackhead look at you like you're crazy like it's not like being blessed by the Pope it's not in the summer of 2005 my sister had her first baby and it was a breech birth she was rolled into the emergency room and by the time I got there my niece was on my sister's shoulder and my mom's like Pick up your niece. Pick up your firstborn niece. My mom is dressed to the nines. My dad is so happy. My brother-in-law is like a photo ninja running around the room. And I think I'm supposed to have this like Lion King Simba moment with my niece. But I am so fucked up. Like I'm either high or recovering at this point. And like there's just no way I'm gonna pick up my niece, this baby because my body's doing crazy shit and like I could jerk or tick and I'm gonna drop her and everyone is gonna see me for what I've become. So I just extend my hand out and I pat my niece on her shoulder. I don't even pick her up that day. And I think everyone in the room was just happier to think that I was scared of babies. And then I get to the car and I think about my life and like my friends, and I'm thinking my friends are all insane. Even worse, they think I'm insane. And like two of them are gonna go to jail soon for possession. One of them's just contracted HIV because it's very hard to party safe all the time. 
and I think about where my life is going and I realize I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die soon. Like, Crystal is gonna kill me. Maybe not immediately, maybe not physically, but something in me is gonna die. And I think about my niece, which makes me think about my aunt, Nathoi. Like, I didn't have the opportunity to grow up with any aunts or uncles because they were all in Thailand, but I did have one aunt until I was four, at which point she committed suicide and took a lot by taking a lot of pills. She was seven or eight months pregnant. She had a miscarriage, and it was just too much for her. I have always wondered what my life would have been like if she had stayed. What records would she have played for me? Would she have been a refuge when my parents were fighting? And I know that it is not about me, but why wasn't I enough to convince her to stay? And that's when I decided I had to try. I had to try, and it wasn't immediate, and it wasn't through magic. And I am still no angel. I will have a drink. I will smoke weed. I will buy your extra prescription pills. <laughs> but I was not going to go down to crystal meth. And the people that helped me the most didn't even know what was wrong with me. My parents came over to the apartment soon after my niece was born, and Pax and I had like gotten high and cleaned it up and down, and like we were so proud. And to be honest, I was a little proud because this was my first apartment. And my parents walked in, and I don't know if they saw like a straight pipe or Pax and I just looked crazy because we were crazy. But they walked around for five minutes and left. And my dad called me an hour later, and he was so angry. And he was like, your mom can't even speak. What are you doing with your life? What's going on? This is not why we came to America. And I can hear my mom wailing in the background. And then like, part of me thinks she's being a little dramatic. But most of me just knows like, her heart is breaking. Because I know the truth about my life. And what mother wants that for her son? And so she calls me a couple weeks later, and she's like, just move home, just move home. I will buy you a condo in one year. And I know she's fucking lying. She's grasping at straws. She's just like offering me a crossroads, and she will not let me go until I follow her. That's what my parents did. They saved the life they gave me. And I started dating a boy at the time, and even though it didn't last, he just loved me so much and he was so sweet. And like, I just didn't want to be high around him because when is the right time to tell someone you're dating you have a crystal meth problem? Like, hi, things are going so well. I just want you to know if I stay on this path, I'll be shooting up soon. Like, no, you can't say that. And then of course, there was my niece. And she was an inf newborn, and then she was an infant, and then she was crawling around. And I just thought, God, you deserve such a better uncle than I am. And I know I am never going to be the best uncle in the world, but if I could keep my teeth and not hallucinate, you might like me. <laughs> and she does. We are both emotional, dramatic, artsy messes. Yes, I just called my 10-year-old niece a mess. And her favorite thing to do is force me to dance choreography to Justin Bieber songs. A guy that we would both date, but for obviously different reasons. Last month, one of my aunts in Thailand passed away. And my family went to our temple to offer blessings to her. 
While we were eating lunch, Natasha turned to me and she said, I won first place at my violin contest, two first places. And I told her she had surpassed me, that during my requisite time as an Asian child playing a musical instrument, <laughs> I had only finished second twice. How did it feel when you won, I asked her. Fine, fine, just fine. It only felt fine when you beat everyone. She went on to explain that it wasn't that type of competition, that she had done her piece, went to the judges table, and she got a first place card. A lot of kids won first place that day. I wanted to say, what kind of fucking competition is that? What kind of new age hippie crap did my sister send you to? It's not a competition till somebody cries. But I held my tongue and I asked her if she'd seen Adele on Ellen that day. She had, and we did our best Adele at Jamba Juice impersonations. Can I have a large, but can you put in a small cup, please? Why? Because I would never say anything to bring my niece down. I will always wonder what my life would have been like with my aunt. But Natasha doesn't have to. She helped save her uncle. Thank you. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.